But Mark, you, you've said in the last few, uh, last few weeks, in the last few months, since the, the Hebrew series, when you preached on Noah, you mentioned the phrase that we are called to build a house of salvation as a church. And you've said that a few times. I think that is what we're called to do. We're not called to do church. We're called to build houses of salvation. And I know we're leading up to Vision Sunday where this thing is beating you, beating in you, and uh, might be beaten into you. But what does it mean, actually, if you could unpack for us, what does it mean as people who make this thing uh, tick over, who are the engine room, the heartbeat of this church, the heart and soul of it, what does building a house of salvation look like and what does it mean to you? Um, I think it's just, it's been a journey and a process for me. I can't say I can fully unpack it. But when we were in, and I was looking at Noah at the end of last year and um, the, the building of that ark, I think too many Christians honestly believe that the ark was there to hide Noah away. Like, um, and, and it was just about Noah and his little clan and, and a small picture of the ark as this kind of hideaway. And I think the church becomes an ark like that too often. Yeah. Where Christians get saved and it's hideaway in the ark and you'll be safe in the ark and forget everything that's going on outside the ark. Inside the ark, you're cool. And, and the reality is this church is not going to be comfortable if that's our position around the ark and around the journey. It doesn't mean there isn't a safety aspect of the ark. It doesn't mean the analogies like the church is the... Is the, is the hospital in the army battle, and there's not, there will always be those aspects. But I think if you heard me speak about mission this morning, that if it just stays there, and that is the everything, that the ark never becomes a vehicle of salvation amidst a storm for everyone who would receive. Noah didn't just go to his family and say, God's got us. Let's go. He went to people. He told them. He took offense. He, he, people took offense at him. They challenged him. They shouted at him. They jeered at him. But he built something that was massive. Half the size of the Titanic. It was massive. It could have taken more people. No one responded. Our job is to build something that is a household of salvation, a vehicle of salvation. And I think the challenge is as we do that, we've got to be incredibly intentional about that. And I, I shared, I met with a, a leader of a church recently at the vision points down. And my, he said, can you just input in the vision points? He said, well, there's nothing on you about the lost. He says, no, it's there. Disciple, make disciples. See, the problem is when Christians think make disciples, they think, give me a cushy sheepy that's got a few thorns in its hair and I'll take the thorns out. They don't think, give me a wild beast that isn't yet a sheep and I'll walk with them. And I think if you want to know where we're going as a house, we want to see, and you'll see the vision points we're going to talk about in four weeks' time. We have a passion for God. We have a passion to see those who are far from God come into relation with God. We have a passion to make disciples, and we have a passion to see transformation happen outside of the church. That's it. But if we don't put something about salvation up at the front, I think we don't do it. You know why? It's challenging. Building that ark for Noah was challenging. It cost him personally. It cost his reputation. It cost many things. And um, I'm just challenged that as we build and we move forward, we have to be building a household of salvation where we disciple people before they even receive the gospel. Are you okay that people are here and maybe even serving amongst you and right now they haven't made a decision to follow Jesus yet? I'm not talking about life, kids. I think that's different. I'm not talking about worshiping. I think that's different. But to serve people, to engage people, to love people, to serve coffee, and actually they're still on a journey towards salvation. I'm okay with that as long as it is a journey and as long as the end of that journey is Jesus. And as long as there's a, there's a transforming power that's at play, and our job is to create an environment, an ark, where they can taste and see Jesus. Not the church, Jesus. Not believers, Jesus. That's what we're building. I'm passionate about that. I want to give 
my life for that. And, and in that journey, I think in that arc, we will find maturity and we'll find growing as well. With, with that, you say that in a, in a, you, for you it's not just a, a vision statement to put on a wall. It's actually something that we are supposed to be, all of us are called to live on our Mondays to Sundays every day, not just a Sunday routine. So in, into that paradigm, you throw a phrase saying something like this, saved people serve people so that served people become saved people. I'll say it again quickly. Save people, serve people, so that serve people become saved people. How does my serving on a Sunday translate to that thing of building a house of salvation? Good question, Gabe. Glad we didn't discuss these at all before this time. And um, that's not my statement. It's a, a clever guy named Perry Noble. Perry Noble. Perry Noble. Um, and, uh, and, and I just... I think part of us, if, if, if Psalm 34 is right, taste and see, I think the church has to be on people's taste profile, taste journey. I, I think everyone in the world is on a seeking journey. The Bible says they're crying out. They, they designed to worship God. They were created to worship God, which means they are on a journey to find that purpose. And that journey looks like nightclubs, bars, um, affirmation, spending life, working for money. It's a whole bunch of things. And fortunately in South Africa... Part of that journey still seems to be religion, maybe Jesus. But we might may have one gap in 40 stops. That might be our one gap to get someone, and it has an eternal perspective, eternal reality. If that's our one gap, I want to be the people that we will put in the biggest effort, even if one person arrives once and they're on that journey, we do it all for them. Honestly, guys, here's the truth. If you love Jesus and you know and you have a passion for the local church, you're not walking up here with walking in here with critical eyes saying the carpet's broken at the back. The sound didn't work at the front. You're not walking because this is your home and that's right. Imagine my kids walked in every home and pointed out everything that's broken in my house. They would be get the preach that they got this morning. Get out. But but they don't because it's our home. And we as believers, this is our home. So we don't walk in with a judgmental attitude. Those people on that, that seeking journey, they do walk in. They are judging, and particularly this next generation. It is the most judgmental generation ever. And it is, they are driven by visual elements. They've spent their life being bombarded by visual elements. Now, we can say it doesn't matter about carpets being broken at the back. By the way, we're changing the carpets. And... Um, and, and it's not because I have an aversion to broken carpets. It's because we want to get people saved. And, and I think it's we get up and, and, example, the band's sloppy. There's papers all over. There's guitar things all over. And the band's grumpy. It looks like, well, they're not really happy we're here. And they're not really that enamored by the king who they sing these songs. Oh, happy day, happy day. Sing it, key, man. I didn't. It's like they don't really believe this stuff. They're just doing it. And if we are the one stop out of 50, 60 stops, and some of those stops are doing things incredibly well. So I struggled to speak sitting down. Some of those stops do things incredibly well. The nightclubs are doing stuff incredibly well, guys. The concert halls are doing stuff incredibly well. The, the adventure sports are doing things incredibly well. And the church is going, well, they have to get you because it's Jesus and they need him and they're going to know that. They must cross the bridge. I'm saying, okay. But I think Jesus extended himself. I think the Father is an extended God. And will we extend ourselves and allow Gabe to get the biggest amp we've ever seen in church ever this morning? We noticed. 
It was only on volume level 2 out of 10 by the way. I'm not I'm not saying it's compensating for anything. I'm just saying it's big. That's all uh. I'm saying. And um but actually if a young guy walks in here who right now has very few options of hope and we might just give him a taste and see it's not about the expression and it's not about the form it's about the wine but I'm telling you if the expression and the form blocks him at the front door he'll never get to the wine. He'll just never get there. And he'll land in drugs and rehab centers because the church weren't able to extend themselves beyond our preferences. I think I got up at church and I said, if the church cannot get over our aversion and our prejudice against tattoos and smoking, we've lost a generation. Now, do I like smoking? I hate it. I was asthmatic as a kid. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. But no, in the Bible does it say it's a sin. Yes, the Bible says we look after our stuff, but we don't have the right to hate it. And then ultimately hate those. And we don't have the right to hate those who have tattoos because this generation are enamored tattoos. I'm telling you, I feel that passionate. I want to get people saved. I don't want to spend my life entertaining Christians. It's hard work. It's really hard work. And, and, and we know, you see people get saved and it's like, wow. Now, what does that mean about Gabe's question? I've taken the long route. We have a job to play. Save people, serve people, so that serve people become save people. And behind the coffee shop, someone comes, you remember their name next week. I promise you, when no one's remembered their name for years, the gospel breaks in. The gospel breaks in. When you're serving tea and you're serving coffee and at 35 degrees, which it is, and you love someone with a, how are you? Well, do you really want to know? Yes, I want to know. We're not here about the tea. We're here because people matter. And it's not about productivity. And don't hear, we want excellence. Excellence is just there so because people matter. And we're off the people. And if it means, and, and I said it to the serving team leaders yesterday, it's, it's if someone comes and you need to say, could you look after my coffee? I can love this person. Do that. Because it's about them. It's not about the coffee and the tea. Yeah. There was, uh, just on that note, there was a, I've probably told the story many times, but when I was in children's church, and I didn't enjoy children's church, I probably also called it kids' misery for a few times, is there a ministry, kids' ministry? Um, but then, uh, I, as I grew up, I, I encountered a, in grade five, a, a, my, one of my Sunday school teachers, and he was an incredible guy, just loved God, passionately loved us, and then uh, he immigrated, and two years later, on, he remembered my name, remembered my number on my first day of grade eight which I was terrified of, wearing a uniform too big for me, going to an all-boys school of 1,500 boys. I got a phone call from England on the first day of my school. This guy phoned me, and he said, Hi, Gabriel. It's Jed from, from Children's Church. Do you remember me? I'm like, yeah, of course I remember. He said, just want to tell you, I've been praying for you. I know you're going to smash high school. You're going to be amazing. Don't be scared. You've got God all over you. Do and I can remember then just the courage that filled me, because, and, and, and I don't even know where I was on my journey of salvation yet. I, I would put it, I think by the age of 15, I, I stumbled upon Jesus as real, not just mom and dad's faith. But I want to tell you, life kids teaches, you don't know, as you serve and you serve and you think, what are we doing? Save people, serve people, so that serve people can become save people. And I, I think Jed had a role to play in my salvation all those years ago. Just, uh, I mean, America's quite eye-opening and they lead in many ways, and that's scary in some ways. There's some amazing stuff going on. But America's full of churches where the worship leaders are employed musicians who aren't even saved. Like full. Like not one or two. Kids ministry people are employed to kids. They have no passion for kids. They needed a job. Now, in truth, much of what you do, we could employ someone to do. We probably could. We probably don't have the money for it, but we'll do it. We could do it. 
And we don't want to do that. Because it takes out the aspect of, it's, it's a touch of a person. Jesus touched earth so that heaven could touch earth in a human form so that people could get saved. We want to keep doing that. And I'm not criticizing people who do that. Please don't hear that. I'm, 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 I have to have a conviction about how we're going to move forward. And, yeah. So in that journey, Mark, you talk, so it's a big picture, it's exciting, it's, it's, it's pumping, we've got to uh, serve people, save people, serve people, so serve people, come save people. How does that translate? Why are, are, are the small things important? Because sometimes we can, we can skip over those things and say, I'm doing my job, I'm doing the big things. Why are details so important to you? Um, I, mean, I, I think I told, where did I tell that Eminem story? At the leaders? With the leaders? I went to, I heard a story about, M, about Van Halen, the band. If you're under 25, you probably don't know them. Um, they were really good in their time. And, and uh, they had this thing, there was an Eminem uh, kind of controversy. And it went like this. Wherever they went, they asked for M&Ms to be put in their room. It was on their playbook. They had this playbook that went ahead of them. And because they traveled every night, different setup, which means different people are setting up their stages and their rooms. And every night was different people. So they were a band who were renowned for excellence. And in the playbook right at the end was this statement, in our green room where we rest, we want M&Ms. We want no brown M&Ms, so please take those out. Sounds a little bit like a prima donna, right? Behind that was a principle and a philosophy that we want to be the most excellent band. And we know we can't check everything. So they put the M&M statement in there. And if they got to their green room and the M&Ms were there, but they were brown M&Ms in there, it means someone hadn't read the playbook and there could be a problem on stage. So check everything again. It wasn't about being prima donnas. It was about seeing the details. Let me tell you about our God and a scripture about our God, which I'm trying to find. Deuteronomy 22 verse 6, if you come across a bird's nest beside the road, either in a tree or on the ground, and the mother is sitting on the young or on the eggs, do not take the mother with the young. You may take the young, but be sure to let the mother go so that it may go well with you and you may have long life. Who cares about a bird and eggs but God, who created that one bird and created every hair on your head? We worship a God who's into details. And if you don't believe that and you don't believe that, you won't trust that he cares about the details of your life. He cares about my life. So in the moments where I'm giving time to other people I'm, and, and people are saying you should be giving more time to your kids, I've got to say, God, you, you're doing this. You, you're leading me. You're showing us. You're in the details. That's one aspect of it. Plus, Jesus comes and, 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 and he's got these young guys, James and John, they're brothers. They say, we want to be first. Jesus doesn't slap them silly. For saying that. It's like, you stupid. He just says, actually, you want to be first? Be a servant. And let me tell you what serving is. And I believe that, that there's, a, there's a reality of people tasting and seeing God in a desire for excellence. Now, it's not everything, excellence bows, everything else bows its knees to excellence. That's not a vote for that. Everything bows its knees to Jesus. But understand Jesus creates wine and it was the best wine. Understand Jesus multiplies food when he's lacking energy and he multiplies it for 5,000. Understand Jesus was excellent. And I think as we drive, there has to be a culture that how can we make this better? And one of the cultures and one of the things we're putting in place, and we spoke with your leaders yesterday, is at the end of your day, as you've teamed and as you've sweated and as you've served, as a team get together and ask three questions, how could I be better? 
Maybe you were late. Maybe your attitude was wrong. Maybe you got to bed really late last night just because you watched series too long. That's how you can be better. How can we as a team together? Well, we didn't partner really well, and I could see you in trouble, but I was quite comfortable behind my station. That's how we could be better. How could we as a church? Well, we need a feedback to Una and Fee and the team that, that we need more cups. We need more t- tithe. Not tithe. What do you call those things? Shot glasses. Um, um, and, and we need more of those. Feedback so that we can have a culture of being better. Because I look at Jesus, he took his disciples on a journey of getting better. They were a bunch of ragamuffins, and he invested. He told stories and invested, and they got better, and they ended up changing the world with a great story. We just want to get better. It's not about excellence at everything, and we're going to jump on everything. It is about getting better for the glory of God. Just with that, in terms of our new season now with... Can I take one thing? Yes. One thing. I, I'm wrapped up by heaven. If you're not, I would, I would say read a book about heaven and be captivated because it's coming. And part of church is there's a, there is a presentation of something of heaven. Now read about Revelations 4 and there's cherubim and there's all flying around. And Chris Vinant, who's a wordsmith, made up a word called chaotic. It means there's chaos, but there's order. There's chaos, cherubim. Ah, woo, I don't know what noise they make, but let's go with that. And, and, and. And there's a whole bunch of chaos going on. But the king is on his throne and no one's flying into each other. There's dudes with a face like a lion. There's another dude with a face like this. And I'm going, what's going on here? But there's order. I think church, our lives, our family, everything should be a little bit like that. And I can promise you my house is a little bit like that. It's chaotic. But heaven is a little bit chaotic. There's a little bit of chaos, but there's a lot of order because the king's on the throne. And I think when the details are in place and the backbone, we can have a culture where there's a little bit of chaos and the kids can run around and it's okay because there's still order and the kids still know authority. They still understand that stuff. Sorry. Just with, with that, I think of the, the details and things that we can push our hearts with now with uh, the church, the way church looks for life changes is changing quite significantly in the sense of we don't just have one site. We're now going to move to having two sites where a whole bunch of people who were serving here, who were adding the energies, the efforts here, are now saying we're going to still be a part of life change, but we're going to do it in a different location. What are the implications for all of us uh, with multi-site for you? On one hand, it's super exciting. On another hand, it's super daunting. For any organization, any church, anything, any business, the time of changing gears to a new season, to a new adventure is the greatest risk time. And if you, you, you remember, it's, it's teaching someone to drive a car. It's first gear, boom, now change to second. They've got all that momentum and all the revs, boom, back into first. We can't do that. There's people at stake, there's stories at stake, there's the gospel, and we want to make sure that in changing gears to a story that has multiple expressions, which we already have, their morning serving teams and their evening serving teams. If, you, if, you, if you're a serving team from the evening, give me the nene. Give me a little nene. There we sit. Thank you. The good nene. That's more of a wave. Give me. But, but they're here because they're actually part of the evening serving team, and some of you have never met them, and that's awesome. Now we're going somewhere else, and God's going to add people there, and we say, well, how do we do this? Well, part of the implications is, um, and I'm just trying to find so I don't um, lose. First, our hearts got to grow. If God's going to add people, then our hearts for people have to grow. This is about people. The gospel is about people. God doesn't give a hoot about church buildings. 
He doesn't give a hoot about aircon because heaven has got aircon 24-7. He cares about people. Our job is to care about people. That's why we care about the other stuff. Why are we going to Milton? We're going for people. So it's going to demand a growing of heart, and it's going to demand a fixing our eyes on Jesus, and then it's going to demand some leadership. If you are part of that story there, you need to have leadership to capture it. There's going to be some challenges, set up challenges. If you are part of here, we are losing some energy bringers. If you're going to Milton, won't you lift your hands? Keep up. There were some pretty powerful energy bringers in our story. Keep your hands up. Look at them. They're going pioneering for us, with us, and, and understand. Yo, let's clap for them. But is our, is our heart big enough to say, God, we believe in a multiplying gospel? Do you remember the series last year, A Multiplied Life? It wasn't by chance we did that series. We're trying to reveal an aspect and a character of God that says he's calling us to multiply. And we need to multiply. There's life here. God has added people. People have got saved. Thank you, Jesus. And we can say, well, we're full now. Thanks, God. We're full now. When we need a top-up, we'll come to you. We'll say, God, there's life. We want to just go with the life. We've got a whole bunch of dudes and ladies who live in Milnerton. Why don't we see if there's life there for a new story? And this couple have got a whole bunch of life to them. And for him to be not preaching and sitting here most Sundays, what's going on there? Let's multiply. And we're still one family. Right now, we're already multi-service. We're just going to multi-site. The school are so pumped to have us. Understand this. We want to serve them well. So when we leave that hall, we want to leave it better than we found it. I never want to hear that, oh, we found it like this. Honestly, I don't want to hear that. I want to put something in my children that we'll go somewhere that leave the place better than when they found it. I want to put something in the DNA of this church and when we go somewhere, we leave it better than they found it. And if they leave it as a mess, we get stuck in because they don't have the gospel and the eternal story. That's why they left. We do. They have an excuse. Excuse, we don't. And so it's going to call a lot of, a lot of changes um, in, in that sort of stuff. One of the changes we need to institute, and it's part of a culture we want to put in. When I went to America, I saw this thing. And I've seen it on movies, but it's called The Huddle. Can I chat about that? And, um, and they've got two things. They've got a playbook, which means there's something written that this is how we do stuff. So if someone join, new joins, it's not like, well, follow me and learn what we do. They can read something, and it makes it a whole bunch more simple. So we're doing that in most of the areas of the life of the church. The other thing we're going to do is a huddle. This is what the huddle is going to look like for us. At Tableview, every serving team is going to meet. And I know some life group guys get you, um, not life kids, guys get you early. Band gets you hopper seven, quarter past seven. Other guys, seven. Um, um, other guys get you at 20 past eight. We're going to ask everyone to be here at eight. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the middle of whatever you're doing. We're going to stop everything. And for five minutes, we are going to gather. Everyone. We're going to position what we're going after on that day. We're going to celebrate what God has done and who he's added to the team. We're going to make sure we're all on the same page. And if one team is lacking, and, and you here, you thought you were here to serve on the serving team, but we need a backing vocalist, you're it, Bevy. And, um, but you get what I mean. We're going to team. And we're going, to, we're going to fight for this thing so that, number one, we make sure we don't have people serving just because they're doing a function. We're serving because we're family and we're having fun. And, and actually, the, the guy facilitating that time can see someone's had something wrong and there's a pressure. It's not, we'll just get on, do your job, we'll do it afterwards. Actually, everyone else carry on. Can we chat? And can we engage? How are you? Maybe you need to go home and just be with God. But, but we're putting in this thing, the huddle, and I don't care if the worship team are in the middle of the greatest high of the throne room of seventh heaven worship. We're going to stop. 
Because actually, the together community and teaming is really, really important. And, and, and we think this is going to change. And as we've got, honestly, 269 people invited to this moment. And some are working, and we're we slightly less. But two years ago, we didn't have this at all. God has done a great thing. We see this as a vital part of discipling, not just serving. We see life groups and this reality. And, and if you're in a serving team, you're in a team of men and women who need to mature and grow. Give yourself in that aspect too. Milnerton, it's going to stretch us. Here's what I can ask of you. Do your jobs and whatever that entails. But more than that, carry the vision. If you are going to Milnerton or you're staying and you're a little bit like, flip, now what are we supposed to do? The teams are lighter. We're serving once extra in a six-month cycle. Please don't have that. Understand, we have different roles. My role is to cast it with the team and to make sure it's clear and it's out there. Your role is to carry that and charge it forward that we become a people who carry vision. Vision is a team sport. It's not left to the one because it's left to one, it's built of the one. If it's carried by the many, the cool thing is you can suck the one out of it, but it'll still be carried. Vision is a team sport. If I can ask you one thing, carry vision. Yeah. Beautiful. Just to clarify and make sure that we all understand the huddle, which will kick off from next Sunday. Next Sunday, and we'll have communication through the week just to the different teams, serving teams, worship teams, life kids teams, coffee baristas, AV teams. Well, at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning and 5 p.m. on a Sunday evening and 9 a.m. at Milnerton, because we have a later, we have a sleeping in Milnerton. We start at 10, blessed. <laughs> Too blessed to be stressed. Um, but what we're going to do is 8 a.m. here, 9 a.m. in Milnerton and 5 p.m. in the evening service, we're going to stop. So the band who start at 4 p.m. on the Sunday afternoon, they'll practice at 5 p.m., they'll stop, we'll gather, we'll have a moment at 5 past 5, 10 past 5, once that moment's done, they can jump up and finish their last song. So serving teams come, the first thing we do is we gather, we pray, we have this moment together, we understand what the, the goal is for the evening, we do that, then we go set up. The coffee guys, sometimes maybe they need to come five minutes earlier to turn the machines on, as they're warming up, we can come have that moment, and then they go out and serve the coffee. So that's just to let you know, that's happening every Sunday from now on, and it's an expectation for us as a church, so we can be on the same page and know that our small parts are not, I'm just putting cups of our coffee out, no, our part is that we're building a house of salvation together. That's why we're doing it. So, thank you, Mark. Le- yeah, last I comment? Just, just want to say thank you on behalf of the leadership team. I only get to do what I do because you do what you do. Honestly, it's not, it's a, and, and I feel very privileged to do what I do. To get up and preach this morning, I arrive. Tanaka comes to me. He takes the, flo- the, the USB disc and the notes, and he just goes and gets that done. I just, I don't need to worry about it. You know how much that changes the reality? You know how much it makes feel like we're not on our own up here trying to preach a gospel and people are going, well, it's, it's the people serving coffee. And I watch the, the lonely and the broken walk through those doors and they walk through and they get captured by a coffee team. I'm going, thank you, Jesus. And, and we can only do what we can do as, 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 we, as we lead and envision with the team because you do what you do and you see the value in that. I trust you see the value. I trust you see the vision. I trust you see Jesus. And if you're straightening to the vision, don't try and work out the vision. Just spend time with Jesus. And I promise you the rest of the stuff makes sense. Become overwhelmed by Jesus again. Don't stop. Never stop. Ask Wally for flash worship mob. What's it called? On his USB. I'll give it to you on his USB and you can worship. But get captivated by Jesus again. Because 16 years ago, 
God gave a vision to a couple, and, and, and we are living in the ridiculous favor on that. Let us not be the generation that says, well, we're just going to get comfy. Honestly, I don't do comfy very well. Ask my wife. <laughs> I, 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 I've got ants in my pants, but, I'm, but the one thing that I trust is, is because there's Jesus, and he is our vision. And get captivated by Jesus. But from our side, as just people alongside you and with you in the trenches, thank you. Thank you for the hours. Thank you for the energy. Thank you for the courage. Thank you for the support and the prayer. Um, um, sometimes I know we're not great at communicating. And sometimes I know we drop the ball and all that stuff. And thank you for just getting stuck in because he's the prize. So, yeah. I'm going to ask Mark to pray for us. And then after that, Fee's going to explain how the food will work. Um, but yeah, Mark, could you pray? And I'm going to ask Wally to pray for us. Brilliant. Father, this, this afternoon, thank you for the privilege that you've called us to serve, but from the position of sons, not slaves. Father, thank you that when we serve, we best reflect you. Lord, thank you that as we're embarking on this new adventure with Milneton Sight, Lord, we thank you that you are leading, you are guiding, you are directing. And Lord, thank you as we engage with one another and others, we can communicate effectively that this is all for the purpose to see the lost come to a knowledge of you. And Father, I pray that they would begin to grip our hearts afresh and anew on an ever-increasing and growing basis. Lord Jesus, let you be first and foremost in our conversations, in our thinking, and in our engaging with others. And Father, remind us that all we do, even this building, this facility, is merely a tool for the task. And Lord, we are your sons and daughters that so want to honor you and please you. Help us in our serving in the various different areas. Lord, thank you for that privilege. And Father, as we have a, a, a bite to eat together, Lord, let us not just rub shoulders, but hearts with one another and inspire and envision one another. Lord, thank you for each and every person here and their vital role and vital part that they play to see this household of salvation grow and increase. Father, those that have cooked the meal, thank you for them. Those that have organized and planned it, thank you for them. And Father, thank you that will nourish us, that we can just have a cool time of being together. Thank you, Lord. What chickens? The chickens, the chickens, okay. Father, bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>